0: Superman Lives Written by Dan Gilroy Adapted by Tim Maxwell Krypton, an enlightened advanced civilization is reduced to pure terror as they run down the hall of a Kryptonian corridor An ungodly, terrifying squealing sound fills the hall The crowd shrieks, lights flicker Jorel, one of Krypton's most intelligent and outstanding citizens, rushes down the hall with a crowd. He helps usher others through the corridor, even stopping to help a young girl from being stampeded on. Jorel hears the squealing sound getting louder and louder. Something is approaching from behind. After escaping the corridor with the crowd, jor closes a barricade. The unseen beast crashes with massive strength into the closed doors, leaving its horrific outline in the solid steel. jor immediately heads to his laboratory, where complex controls and instruments abound. His wife, Lara, is there with their infant son. They head to the transport so they can escape Krypton. However, those transports have been destroyed. The lab suddenly goes dark. Dim emergency lights activate. Jorel and Laura then see a chilling sight. A large humanoid head seems to hover in the darkness. Prominent uranium, greenish metallic skin stretched over sparkling relays, soulless eyes, and the rest of its body hidden in deep shadow. Jorel can't believe his eyes. He recognizes the creature as one of his own creations. Brainium. Brainiac stares intently at Jor-El. He's regal, handsome. His tunic bears a familiar S-shield. With his programmed robotic voice, Brainiac speaks to his creator. Your mistake was you started me, but didn't finish me. In fact, you crudely tried to end my existence. Your system is flawed. You must know that. Brainiac then focuses on the infant. You chose to spend time on that drooling, useless thing when
1: you could have been refining me. But nevertheless, I've evolved far beyond your comprehension,
0: jor The creation has become the creator. A large computer-like device begins to glow in the corner of the room. Its powerful, pulsating green aura illuminates a myriad of cables and connections running into the floor. Krypton is now under my control. Your world will be destroyed and only I, Brainiac, will endure. You can destroy Krypton, but not its people. Our line will continue. I've made sure of that. Jor-El grabs a Kryptonian lab tool and fires it at Brainiac, sending him into an explosion of light. Jor-El, with his wife and son, rush to a small spacecraft. Lara wraps their infant son in a familiar red and blue fabric and places him inside the craft jor hurried hands place a mysterious, cube-like object next to the baby boy, and closes the spacecraft. I'm sending him to planet Earth. Its yellow sun will give him tremendous physical advantages. He will be safe there. jor and Laura's eyes well up with tears.
2: You are our greatest joy, kel Our greatest love.
0: Brainiac then rushes in and slays jor and Laura. He then rushes to stop the launch, but it's too late. The spacecraft vibrates as it accelerates upward, then races away from Krypton. Brainiac clutches a bloody S-shield from Jor-El's corpse and stares into the sky as the spacecraft disappears into infinite darkness.
1: If it takes all eternity, I will find you,
0: pel Thirty years later, it's a cloudless night in Metropolis. A full moon hangs over the urban skyline. A tanker truck backs up to a lake, and two darkly clad men get out and head to the rear. Two armed guards head to the front to keep a watchful eye. The men at the rear of the truck begin to pump in acid-like fluid from the tank into the lake. Dead fish quickly rise in the foul, oily circle seen spreading out in the moonlight. A rush of wind is heard. The armed guards are instantly on alert. The dumpers nervously churn the spigot to increase the flow of toxic waste. Something is coming from the forest. Something fast. A dark figure shoots from the sky and slams to the ground, making an earth-shaking entrance. It's Superman. The armed guards point their guns at the Man of Steel and begin shooting. Bullets simply deflect off the hero's body. Superman approaches the guards. One of the dumpers jumps back in the truck and drives away, leaving his colleagues to their fate. One of the guards launches a grenade at Superman, which he catches. He clutches the grenade containing the powerful explosion in his hand. The guards stare at each other in disbelief before running away in terror. The hero directs his attention on the tanker truck which is now barreling down the freeway. In a blur, he races after the truck. The driver sees Superman in his rearview mirror. The driver reaches down and pulls a lever. The cab suddenly detaches from the truck and its huge uncontrolled container tumbles onto its side. It skids, screeching across the pavement, knocks out the guardrail, and heads into busy oncoming traffic. With extreme quickness, Superman streaks across the road and grabs the massive tank just before it crashes into an oncoming vehicle. The driver of the truck thinks he's free as he lights a cigar, but then suddenly Superman rips into the cab and sits in the passenger seat. That wasn't nice what you did back there. The driver pulls out a 45 and fires point blank. Superman catches the bullet with his teeth and spits it back out, shattering the driver's window. You like games? I have one. Using his X-ray vision, he welds the steering wheel shut and welds the gas pedal to the floor. The speeding truck is heading right towards a construction site. Who hired you? He- he'll kill me! The speedometer climbs the 115 miles per hour. I have all night. I can't say! A cement wall is seen 500 yards away, coming up fast. I sure hope you have airbags. Okay, okay! Okay! Lex Luthor. Superman then hurdles the driver out of the truck and rolls him across the road as the truck smashes into the concrete in a mighty fire. Later that night, Lex Luthor is in his office on the top floor of the 100 story LexCorp building. Spectacular view, soaring ceiling. One side of the office leads to a large balcony overlooking the massive city of Metropolis. A big, sharp-dressed man sits by an aquarium, feeding a piranha bits of meat. A half-dozen other well-dressed, goonish men play cards at a large table, while Morris, Lex Luthor's PR director, gets off the phone. We have a problem, Mr. L. Everything in the room freezes.
3: Superman shut down the dumping at the lake. Who was in charge?
0: That was Nikki's job. All eyes suddenly shift to the man feeding the piranha. Nicky watches wide-eyed as Lex nears. He foolishly tries to explain himself.
4: Lex, it's not my fault that Superman showed up. You can't plan for that. My boys won't talk. They can't trace it back to you.
0: Lex puts his arm around him, offering a reassuring smile. I'm giving you a new nickname, Lefty. Lex thrusts the man's right arm into the piranha tank and holds it into the thrashing mass of fish. Lex finally lets go and leaves Nikki screaming by the tank. The others watch stunned as Lex heads to the elevator.
5: Hey Morris, is the press conference set?
0: Yes, we are all set.
5: Good, because tomorrow I make the most important announcement in human history. See ya boys. Lex boards the elevator and begins to descend.
0: However, the elevator begins to slow and then suddenly stops. He looks up to see the screws in the service hatch screwing themselves out. The hatch suddenly lifts away and an arm shoots in, grabs Lex's throat, and lifts him up. Superman leans in and aggressively pulls Lex closer to him until they are face to face, and then offers him an intimidating message.
6: Okay, used to small spaces, Lex. Someday I'll have proof to
0: put you in one. Superman drops Lex onto the floor. And then closes the hatch. The next day, dozens of journalists pack an overcrowded room for a press conference at LexCorp. The last to arrive is wisecracking, camera laden Jimmy Olsen. As he goes through security, he empties items from his pockets.
1: My cell phone, scooter keys, foil wrap sandwich,
0: pepper spray for when you run out of salsa. The security guard impatiently pushes Jimmy through. Clark Kent, Daily Planet reporter, sees his colleague Lois Lane approaching. Lois, I saved you a seat. Lois misses Clark's invitation and heads straight for the front, which is pretty typical for this confident and zealous reporter. Lex Luthor's PR director, Morris, takes the stage and opens the press conference.
3: It's my great honor and pleasure to introduce the titan of industry, civic leader, and patron of the arts, Mr. Lex Luthor.
5: As Lex takes the stage, he smiles and looks around the room. I understand we have press representatives here today from over 20 countries. I guarantee you'll be glad you came. As some of you may already know, LexCorp is the world's leader in satellite communications and space launch systems, with 34 flawless liftoffs this year alone. This includes our most recent reusable space vehicle that will allow LexCorp to ferry nuclear waste to the moon, dump it, and return with valuable minerals. A good deal for LexCorp, and for mankind.
0: Lois is unable to hear any more of Lex's absurdity, and fearlessly interrupts the egotistic speech.
2: Then why is it that the Atomic Energy Commission recently categorized your plan as grossly ill-conceived? Since your early days, LexCorp has always had a dismal safety record. Why should we believe this will be any different?
5: I could arrange for you to accompany the first flight, Miss Lane. Lex then whispers to himself. Then I would leave you there. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll get right to it then. The LexCorp space satellite has identified... Evidence of an extraterrestrial craft's arrival on Earth. The room of reporters erupt in questions. UFO? When did it land? From what we can tell, approximately 30 years ago.
3: Has it been unearthed? And where?
5: A team is digging as we speak. In Smallville, not far from here. Next question. Clark Kent, Daily Planet. Is
6: it possible your satellite misread the data? Maybe it's a sinkhole or some geological
0: anomaly. Clark's question is drowned out by more questions. He sinks into a seat with a deep look of wonder and sadness on his face. He can only imagine that his worst fear is coming true. He thinks to himself, am I an alien? The questions continue to pour in while Clark sits there brooding.
4: Is there any evidence this is the craft that brought Elvis to our planet?
5: I'd bet something hitched a ride, but get up to Smallville and see for yourselves. And when you're reporting the science find of the millennium, don't forget it was brought to you by LexCorp. Before Lex makes his exit, he makes eye contact with Lois Lane and
0: gives her a menacing wink. Right after the press conference, Clark reports to Perry White, the editor in chief at the Daily Planet. Clark nervously calls him on his cell phone hoping by some chance his hot-tempered boss doesn't answer. But of course, he does.
4: Kent, hey, tell me exactly what Luther said.
6: Well, he started with, I understand we have press representatives here today from over 20 countries.
4: Kent, when I say exactly, I don't mean word for word. Give me the headline, does an alien live among us?
6: Who knows, Luther's a big liar. Now, I'd stay with the Board of Education story.
4: I'm bored of education, and you're not the editor-in-chief. You, Lois, and Jimmy get up there and cover this story. And Kent, aren't you from Smallville?
6: Uh, From there? Well, the people who raised me had a farm in that area, which I grew up on, if that's what you're asking. Of course that's what I'm asking. Heck,
4: Kent, you've got the inside track. Lighten up. You sound like you're going to a funeral.
0: Perry abruptly ends the call, leaving Clark on the brink of a nervous breakdown. Hours later, Clark, Lois, and Jimmy are on their way to Smallville to report the spacecraft discovery. Clark is at the wheel, while Lois is in the passenger seat, and Jimmy in the back. Clark drives slowly as a truck roars by with a loud honk. Pick it up, Clark.
1: They'll have a theme park built around the spaceship by the time we get there. I'm going the legal limit, Jimmy.
2: Jimmy, don't tell me you believe in this spaceship nonsense. This whole thing smells like a Lex hoax.
1: You bet I do believe in this spaceship thing. My aunt was abducted by aliens. Took her and her poodle. Brought her back but kept the dog. The woman was never the same. She started shaving her head and wearing rubber. Dragged me to UFO conventions for years. I know there's life out there. You don't get in a room with 50 bald people in latex and not know something's up. They spend the rest of the drive listening to Jimmy's wild alien stories. Another kind of aliens got claws. One's big and one's small, like a lobster. They can crush a car with the big claw, but
0: can't hardly hold a Q-tip with the other. They reach a field in Smallville where crops stretch forever. Scientists are observing a large hole. Cars are parked haphazardly all around. Reporters are arriving by the dozens. Clark, Lois, and Jimmy get out of the car and head to the scene. Clark takes a look around, sees a familiar yet abandoned farmhouse nearby, and reminisces on his youth growing up in Smallville. His mind abounds with memories of discovering his super abilities, such as superhuman strength, x-ray vision, heat vision, cold breath, super speed, enhanced hearing, and of course, flight. Clark refocuses as he nears the edge of the pit, and stands beside Lois, watching as workers dig away. Everyone freezes as the scientists suddenly unearth a large fragment of what appears to be a spacecraft. Hieroglyphs and symbols cover the outside. Clark withdraws from the hole, reeling as the other reporters draw closer. Clark looks back at the boarded up house he grew up in. He relives a childhood conversation with his mom. Ma, tell me again how I was found.
2: You were a gift from God, Clark,
3: left just across the field, near the old tree. We found you wrapped in the most beautiful fabric, with nothing but that little toy.
0: Again, Clark refocuses on the fascinating moment. He watches a crane lift the spacecraft fragment from the hole. Photographers, including Jimmy, begin to capture images. My first close encounter. Lois approaches Clark with a look of amazement and confusion.
2: I've never seen anything like it, Clark. You grew up here, right?
0: In the general vicinity.
2: Someone must have heard it when it hit.
0: Her elevating curiosity makes Clark nervous as she looks around, seeing the abandoned farmhouse.
2: The area seems pretty deserted now.
0: Clark is relieved as he hopes this quenches her desire to further investigate. Meanwhile, one of the scientists touches the spaceship fragment and it suddenly starts to glow. A unique sequence of lights emanate from its rim. Clark stares in deep bewilderment. The radiating lights and symbols remind him of something back in his apartment. Anxious to get back home, he rushes Lois and Jimmy back to the car to begin their trek back to Metropolis. Deep in space, a dimly lit object flies by in the blackness. It's the Skull Ship. This eerie, dark spacecraft embodies its own name with its frontal, human skull-like shape, which stretches out to an industrious-looking rear. Inside the Skull Ship is a strange control room. A sensor starts to blink green. An energy source within the craft begins to pulse as something starts to move in the dim light. Brainiac, the commander of the Skullship, then emerges. He stares at the control panel. The screen zooms in on a nine planet solar system. Crosshairs lock in on the third planet from the sun. His eyes widen. Kalel, the last of your wretched race. I have finally found you. The Skullship blasts ahead at hyper speed, barreling through the stars. Back in Metropolis, Clark rushes into his apartment and darts for a secret room. In this private room, the walls are covered with old newspaper articles and magazine clippings about UFOs and aliens. Evidence of Clark's lifelong identity quest. He spies a light coming from under the closet door. Clark approaches and opens the door. He finds the source of the illumination. It's the same cube-like object Jor-El put in the spacecraft with baby Kal-El the same toy Clark's adoptive mother mentioned. However, he doesn't know its origin. It's a complete mystery to him. The cube-like object sits amid a box filled with Clark's childhood items. This is the first time he's ever seen this mysterious childhood trinket in this state. He lifts the object. He studies it as it glows, emitting beautiful colors and symbols. He pulls it close and speaks to it. What are you? Where are we from? An emotional and confused Clark storms out of his apartment. He senses his powers. His super hearing picks up bits of conversation from all around. When Clark gets to the street, he heat blasts his clothes away, revealing his marvelous blue, red, and yellow Superman suit. He flies across the city of Metropolis before landing on the roof of the Daily Planet. He stares out into the stars, using his supervision to zoom in on various distant wonders of the cosmos. He imagines which one is his home. A utility door to the roof suddenly opens. It's Lois Lane. Lois?
2: I'm glad you're here. There's something I've been meaning to tell you. I love a guy in tights.
0: Superman and Lois embrace one another with a passionate kiss.
2: How about dinner at my place?
0: I could do that
6: every night, Lois.
2: Then why don't we? Why don't we see each other every night, and every morning, and every day?
6: I do want to. It's just, given what I do, I mean, right now, at the moment, that's not a possibility.
2: Everyone needs a life apart from their work. No matter how important it is, including you. Every time we try to get together, something comes up. Like last weekend.
6: There was an earthquake in Pakistan.
2: I checked. There was no earthquake in Pakistan.
6: There was a tremor.
2: A 2.1. No one was hurt.
6: Always getting to the bottom of things.
2: Only the things I care about.
6: All I can say is there's a lot going on right now.
2: But that's the thing. I don't know that unless you tell me. I don't know anything about you. I don't know where you come from, where you go, or where you live.
6: There's reasons, Lois. I wish I could say.
2: Somehow, somewhere, Superman, you're going to have to share with somebody.
0: Lois heads back inside, leaving Superman alone on the roof. The next day, Lois Lane is in her cubicle, working on the story about the spacecraft found in Smallville. Clark nervously approaches. Excuse me, Lois, but I... Clark is cut off by a young girl.
2: I'm back at Lois.
6: Oh, hey there. Who's this?
2: Hey, Clark. This is my niece, Amy. Amy, this is Clark. I like your shirt.
6: Oh, well, thanks, Amy.
2: You've got a fan. Now, Amy, take these papers down to the press. Ask for a big guy named Bruno. Right away. What, Clark, I'm learning to be a reporter.
6: Don't you think, uh, Lois, that she's a little young to be wandering around?
2: No, but I do think you're taking this relaxed dress code too far.
0: She is, of course, referring to his Mickey Mouse t-shirt, which is a wild contrast to his bright blue blazer, khaki pants, and black rectangle glasses. Perry White, the editor-in-chief at the Daily Planet, dashes to the door.
4: I've got ten presses waiting for your lead story, and you're yakking it up with Kent. Get back to work.
0: Perry looks up and down at Clark and gives him a look of disapproval. Really,
4: Kent? Mickey Mouse? Back to work,
0: guys. Perry leaves in a hurry, with Clark anxiously waiting to speak with Lois alone. Lois?
2: I'm on a deadline, Clark.
0: It's rather important.
6: I need to talk to you alone, tonight.
2: Look, if this is about the UFO story, it was Perry's call to put me on it. Plus, I'm already close to getting names of the families that own the land next to the dig site.
6: Lois, this isn't about work.
2: Clark Kent? Interested in something other than work? Now I'm curious. What about dinner?
0: Clark agrees to dinner and heads back to his cubicle. Later that night, Lois and Clark meet at a Japanese restaurant. Chefs are cooking Benihana style at each table. Clark is uneasy about the busy environment and wishes Lois would have chosen a quieter restaurant. However, he tries to ease into their conversation. So your niece is
6: quite remarkable.
2: Thanks, she stays with me for a few weeks each summer. What was it that you wanted to discuss?
6: Lois, you know this alien story? Yes. Well, the ship did indeed have an
2: occupant. Superman. Superman is a man with superpowers, Clark. That's why they named him Superman.
6: Actually,
0: Lois, you named him in the pages of the Daily Planet. Right. So... Clark nervously begins tapping his foot under the table which sets up a strong vibration field and everyone's water glass at the table begins shaking. Clark stands in a hurry. I have to use the men's room. Clark then rushes through the men's room and in a blur he exits through the open window. At full speed he flies through the night, blowing off steam. Minutes later, Clark returns to the table.
2: Clark, your hair. It's all windblown.
6: The hand dryer was a little strong. As I was saying, Lois, what you wanted to believe about the Man of Steel, that he was just a man with super abilities. You weren't alone. All of Metropolis wanted to believe that, too. So did Superman.
0: You wanted to believe that, too.
2: Clark, how do you know what Superman thinks?
0: Clark removes his glasses. Lois stares at him.
2: No. Do you really expect me to believe you're Superman?
0: Clark picks a coal from the barbecue. He squeezes hard and sets a diamond before her. Lois stares in disbelief.
2: Why did you wait so long to tell me who you were?
6: Because I didn't know who I was. Like the rest of you, I hoped that I was one of you. Lois, you and me, we're not even the same species. I'm not a man.
2: So much better.
6: Who knows what problems it could cause? Someday you'll want to have a baby, Lois, and I won't be able to give you one. Or if I can, who knows, it'll be a super baby that punches his way out. Everything's changed, Lois.
2: Not the way I feel about you. So you're different. I can relate to that.
6: You deserve a man, not some otherworldly being who crash-landed on your planet. A new time alone, Lois, to find answers
2: you spent your whole life hiding, and just when someone gets close enough to see the real you, you run. My God, Clark, you're not different. You're typical. I love you for who you are. Can't you see that?
6: I see too
0: well, Lois. What's the problem? I'm sorry. Clark walks out of the restaurant. Lois watches him go, welling with emotion as she tightly holds the diamond. The next day, a robe-wearing, cigar-smoking Lex slaps an issue of the Daily Planet onto his desk. The headline reads, LexCorp Exposed. This article was written by none other
5: than Lois Lane, of course. I want lawsuits filed. She wrote about everything. The payoffs, my ties to organized crime, even my liposuction. I want to know what happened, Morris.
3: Just a reminder, sir. In the positive column, we do have a first public viewing on your spacecraft
0: fragment tomorrow. The room suddenly blacks out get maintenance on the phone Brainiac's head slowly emerges from the darkness the rest of his body hidden by a cape in the dim light Lex can also see a large fantastical creature by Brainiac's side Doomsday squealing sounds suddenly blow out all the windows in the office Brainiac approaches Lex oh god please don't hurt me I've tracked Kryptonian matter to this location Brainiac spies a mounted spacecraft fragment and moves toward it. Lex uses the opportunity to try and run, but a deep growl from
5: Doomsday draws him up short. Look, if this is about the piece of space junk, take it, it's yours. We even polished it up for you. Is the Kryptonian who came on this craft still alive on your planet? Kryptonian? Does he look like you? His name is Kal-El. It's not ringing any bells. Brainiac pulls out a metallic,
0: stylized S-Shield, the one he ripped from Jor-El's tunic. The shield bears bits of fabric still attached to the side as well as dried blood around the edges.
5: Do you recognize this? Superman. Superman? Describe him. Faster than a speeding bullet, stronger than a locomotive. Everyone knows about Superman. The whole world, in fact. I take it he's not your friend. I'm here to kill him pinch me. I'm in a dream. I know everything about him. His habits, his likes, his dislikes. We'll work together.
0: Good idea. Brainiac nears Lex, eyeing him strangely. He grabs Lex's robe and pulls it off, revealing his red, white, and blue boxers decorated with the American flag. I need your body. So do I. Brainiac moves in and envelops Lex in a stunning display of lights and sounds consuming him. Morris cowers under a table, watching the transformation. Now standing is not Brainiac and Lex Luthor, but one entity. With the physical appearance and voice of Lex, but the brains and repugnance of Brainiac, the two have merged into one supervillain, now known as Lexiac. To everyone else, he is Lex Luthor. His voice is Lex Luthor. His appearance is Lex Luthor. But Brainiac is in control, controlling his every move and every word. Lexiac looks at his hands, skin still rippling. He sees Morris trying to crawl away, but Doomsday blocks him. Morris slowly stands and is approached by Lexiac. Assist me or die. I think I'd like to continue
5: employment here. What do you know about Superman?
3: Not much, but there's a reporter named
0: Lois who has the inside scoop. Lexiac's eye twitches And starts to spark Everything within his Lex Luthor And Brainiac fused body Feels the excitement of the prospect Of finally killing Kal-El The next day Lois Along with her niece Amy and Jimmy Arrive at Lexcorp for the Spacecraft unveiling as they enter the LexCorp lobby, dozens of kids crowd into one of the glass-enclosed elevators.
2: I don't want to go, Aunt Lois. I want to stay with you. Amy, I have to see Mr. Luther for a short interview. Why don't you go with the other kids to the observation deck, and then we'll meet back here. But I'm afraid of heights.
0: Lois bends down and takes her hand and offers a reassuring smile.
2: I'll help you write a story about it afterwards, okay? Like a real reporter. Hey Aunt Lois
0: After a quick hug, Amy gets on the crowded elevator She bravely waves to her aunt as the doors close Then the enclosed elevator car glides up through the atrium Morris then approaches Lois
3: Mr. Luthor is waiting to see you in the mezzanine He asked there be no pictures today
2: Lex Luthor doesn't want his picture taken That's news by itself What happened? Did he cut himself shaving?
3: Mr. Luthor is no different today than he was yesterday.
0: Lois then leaves with Morris to meet with Lex. Meanwhile, Jimmy heads to the spacecraft to take some pictures. Also at the spacecraft viewing is Clark Kent. Clark closely examines the mysterious spectacle. His gaze is filled with wonder and deep curiosity. He pretends to drop something, crouches down, and then tries looking up inside the fragment for clues to its origin. His interest is interrupted as Jimmy appears. Clark quickly pretends to be less interested and scans the lobby for Lois before spotting her on the mezzanine balcony, talking to Lex. He uses his super hearing to listen in on what is quite a
5: contentious interview.
2: If you have any specific complaints, make them now. But just know I have sources and backup for everything.
5: I'm sure your sources are accurate in many areas, Miss Lane. Superman, for example. Tell me what you know about him.
2: He's decent, kind, virtuous, everything you're not. But how would one
5: contact him?
2: You could offer to turn yourself in. He'd probably escort you to the police station personally.
5: I gotta say, Lois, you do have an undeniable spark.
2: What's gotten into you?
5: Clark suddenly appears.
2: What are you doing here, Clark?
6: I couldn't help overhearing your conversation. You must have very good hearing. Why the sudden interest in Superman? It's a matter of life and... Death. I'll pass it along. Come on, Lois. The Chief wants us back at the planet.
0: Clark stares intently at Lexiak. I'm sure Superman will get back to you soon. Clark and Lexiak regard one another, both sensing something amiss. I must find Kal-El. It's
3: not so simple. Superman's a secrecy nut. The only time he comes is in a
5: crisis. Crisis? Why didn't you tell me? His head emits a high-pitched whirring sound. Is your hard drive loading up? Silence! I'm reversing the
0: polarity in which power flows. A control panel on a nearby wall suddenly blows out. Morris rushes over and looks in.
3: There's an electrical short!
0: It becomes clear to Morris that Lexiak is controlling one of the building's elevators, which is currently being used by a group of children. Morris looks through the atrium to see that the elevator is glitching.
3: The kids!
0: What are kids but miniature humans? The elevator begins ascending faster and faster. The children begin to hold onto the handrails. The tour guide presses an emergency stop button to no effect. Down in the lobby, alarms begin to sound. Everyone begins to realize the elevator and its occupants, which can be seen through the clear glass. Parents, reporters, and LexCorp employees begin to panic. Many rush to the elevator controls. Lois pushes through to the front, trying to hit every button possible. She looks back to find Clark. They make eye contact. Clark can see the fear in her eyes. He knows. Amy is in the elevator. Clark leaves the foyer and sees a door marked utility shaft. He breaks the lock, steps into a shaft running through the building, blasts into the air, and his clothes literally burn off by the heat, exposing his blue and red suit. Superman races upward to the rapidly descending elevator. He hears the screams of the children inside the elevator now reaching the 20th floor Superman nearly reaches them when Lexiak reverses the flow of power sending the elevator back upward with increasing speed Thinking quickly, Superman then blasts out of the shaft and rockets himself under the elevator. Then using his laser vision, he snaps the cable. Gravity sends the elevator on a downward free fall Superman, who is beneath the falling elevator, embraces it and slowly lowers it to the lobby. The Man of Steel holds the elevator in place as a maintenance worker opens the door and escorts everyone out. When everyone is out, Superman blasts to the bottom of the elevator, joining the relieved crowd. Is everyone alright? The stunned children nod. Lois hugs her niece while looking at their hero with a face of unyielding gratitude.
2: God bless you.
0: Superman smiles at Lois, but then suddenly he is struck by an all-consuming, ultra-high-pitched sound. He looks around, but no one seems to notice the sound. Everyone is clapping. Jimmy snaps a picture. Superman looks up and pinpoints the source high atop the Lexcorp building. He steps back into the elevator shaft and blasts upward. When he gets to the top floor, he peers into the gloom, trying to zero in on where the sound is coming from. Then it suddenly stops. Superman moves through the darkness as something powerful knocks his legs out from under him, sending him flat on his back. He leaps back up to see a large figure receding into the shadows. Horrific squealing is heard again. An unseen creature viciously links Superman from behind with enormous speed and strength. It slams him against a generator. The beast recedes again while Superman gets to his knees, reeling from the assault. He looks up and sees Lexiak emerging from the dark. If this was all some sick attempt to bring me here, Lex, unfortunately for you, it succeeded. Lexiak nears, regards him closely, studies him. Kal-El. I can see the resemblance. Lex, drop the act. Gladly. A strange smile begins to form. A bizarre rippling is seen under his skin. His face wildly contorts. Joints twisting. Lexiac's head suddenly rips outward and Brainiac's head pushes through, glowing green in the darkness. Superman is stunned by the sight. Brainiac backhands Superman, sending him crashing into a wall. Superman gets back up to his feet. All defenses are up now. What are you? You're executioner, and there's no last-minute escape this time, Kaleo. Why do you call me that? Let that be a mystery. You take to your grave. Freakishly loud footsteps begin to appear. Something large approaches from the darkness. Meet a genetic
3: remnant from your planet's past.
0: The creature moves through the shadows, coming straight for Superman. It's Doomsday. With you gone, the people of this planet will revere a new entity, Brainiac. Doomsday explodes from the dark at tremendous speed. With monstrous strength, he crashes into Superman. The Man of Steel struggles with the monster as he teeters over a thousand-foot drop. Time to die, Kilhallen! Doomsday slams Superman over the elevator shaft edge as they are suddenly locked in a life-and-death battle as they fall. They suddenly crash through the roof on another elevator suspended on the 80th floor. The steel support beneath it breaks from the impact and the car starts to plunge. Superman and Doomsday smash around the inside like two combatants trapped in a cage. Superman is stunned by the creature's strength, especially when his strongest shots barely affect the beast doomsday grabs superman by the neck and starts choking him the hero then breaks doomsday's hold and delivers a hyper speed volley of powerful punches driving back as the elevator suddenly crashes to the ground creating a large crater and sending a powerful vibration through the entire lexcorp building Two warriors battle through the thick dust of the crater. Superman is face to face with Doomsday's horrendous features. Huge, snarling teeth, leathery skin, and sharp exposed bone fragments. Police pull up to the curb of the Lexcorp Plaza and rapidly begin hurting people away from the scene. The police captain sniffs the air and then yells back to the others. The gas main broke! Everyone, get back! Inside the crater, Doomsday viciously slams Superman against a boulder. Superman then ducks as an enormous claw slashes through the air. It hits the boulder where he'd just been and leaves deep claw marks in the solid stone. Back in the Lexcorp Plaza, a news crew arrives and begins broadcasting from the sidewalk when Superman is hurled from the crater into the air. Superman shakes off the hit and dives back into the pit. Inside the crater, the two combatants crash through the boulders, vicious hits from both sides, a titanic battle. Our hero begins to get the upper hand when a stinger-like body part shoots from Doomsday and hits Superman square in the chest. He's immediately weakened. Doomsday heads in for the kill when Superman pulls a steam pipe from its mooring, driving Doomsday back with a powerful blast of steam. Back at the plaza, Lois breaks through the police lines and runs for the crater. She reaches the edge of the hole, stares down and sees Superman, badly wounded. He looks up and sees her. Get back, Lois!
2: Climb out! Hurry!
0: Not while he's still alive! Doomsday suddenly yanks him back into the mist and delivers one vicious hit after another, pummeling the wounded hero. Superman looks up and sees a broken main spewing volatile natural gas into the pit. He spies a high voltage electrical line running over his head. He kicks Doomsday into the gas main, grabs the high voltage cable, rips it in two as sparks erupt and as an enormous explosion sets off, obliterating everything. Onlookers see the blast as it rises high into the sky, debris raining down. A worried Lois emerges from the smoke, peers into the crater, and sees Superman lying amid the smoldering debris and boulders. His dirt-covered body makes it difficult to tell how badly hurt he is. Superman lifts himself from the rubble, starts crawling upward over the blasted rocks piled along the walls, pulling himself over the jagged boulder. He reaches water, streaming from the broken main, and painfully pulls himself through as the mud washes away, revealing his badly bloodied body. He's covered with mortal wounds, his suit shredded. Superman crawls to the top, while Lois reaches down using all her strength to help him get up the last few feet. The Man of Steel collapses in Lois' arms. A stunned crowd is watching all around. News crew is broadcasting live. Superman is dying in Lois' arms.
2: You can't. I won't let you.
0: I'm sorry, Lois
2: listen to me. You'll be fine. Just hold on.
0: Superman's eyes start to close, life ebbing away.
2: I need you to hold on. Just hold on.
0: With the last of his strength, Superman utters his last words. I love you, Lois. I always did. I always will. His eyes close. Superman is dead. Lois cries. Her dreams shattered as the news spread like wildfire throughout the crowd. People sob through their disbelief. Jimmy edges forward with his camera and whispers to himself while taking his shot. God, forgive me. Meanwhile, back in Clark's apartment in his secret room, the cube-like object suddenly glows intensely bright as all the colors and symbols on the outside suddenly align themselves. The mysterious object opens, revealing that inside, it's empty. Days later, in the aftermath of Superman's death, Metropolis mourns their fallen hero. A black-veiled Lois and her matching niece walk behind a gun carriage, each clutching a bouquet of white roses. A military drum unit provides a steady, staccato roll as the somber procession passes. The procession passes through the gates of the park-like setting of Superman's tomb, a dramatically lit monument in the center of fountains and a reflection pool. Inside the tomb, several dozen mourners stand silent in the thick-walled, high-ceiling space as the Marine Guards gently set Superman's beautiful bronze casket on a marble pedestal, surrounded by a small, shimmering, water-filled trench. A priest takes Lois' hand and leads her to the front of the tomb. Lois lifts her veil, looks down at the casket, and works up the courage to speak.
2: He was an extraordinary man who would have wanted to be remembered as an ordinary one. He had no family, but embraced this all as his own. His hunger for justice and goodness could not allow him to turn his back on other people's problems, and that ultimately cost him his life. Gone too soon, a man who inspired me because he cared about the things that I did. And all I can say with all my heart, all my soul, no matter where I go, no matter who I meet, he will always be the most unforgettable person in my life.
0: Finishing her speech, the priest takes her hand and leads her from the podium. She gently kisses the flag-draped casket. As mourners file away outside the tomb, a black-suited Lexiac is being interviewed by a journalist. Again, everyone perceives him to be merely Lex Luthor, but everything he does and says is controlled by the sinister villain Brainiac. Speaking to the reporter, he comments on the death of Superman.
5: I think Miss Lane summed it up best when she noted he was just a man. The people of this planet are left yearning for a savior. I join them in hoping that a true deity fills that role soon.
0: Hours later, inside Superman's empty tomb, everything is quiet and still until an odd light filters into the space and seems to drift through the darkness. The light suddenly intensifies, brighter and brighter. A figure rises in the dark and mysteriously moves to the burial platform. The figure speaks in its eternal, programmed, bionic voice. I have failed you, Cadillac. The following morning in Lex's office, Lexiac stands before a big screen TV. He's irritably watching a broadcast honoring and mourning Superman. Images of massive crowds of teary-eyed mourners, and a montage of images of the Man of Steel, clearly adored by many. Lexiac's features suddenly contort as Brainiac's head pushes through, sticking out at a strange angle and screams at the TV. It was a dribbling little brat, a biological accident. He was nothing. Morris watches wide-eyed as Brainiac turns to the windows, looking out at Metropolis. And you revered him, the ego of the man. Look at the suit, the cape, and for what? A few pitiful parlor tricks. Huge sparks suddenly arc between Brainiac and the overhead lights. Morris ducks as several light fixtures come crashing to the floor. Brainiac stares down at the city. Well, if you like power, then you're gonna love me. Brainiac turns his attention to Morris. I require your assistance. With what, Mr. B? Transferring this planet's misguided adoration for Superman to me. Brainiac's head sucks back down, becoming Lexiac again and gazing out over the city.
5: You are a unique race in awe of technology but rooted in your primal past. I will bring limitless advances to your planet. I will extend your lifespans from decades to millennia. I will breed your species into a biomechanical race of unrivaled power and perfection. And all I demand in return is the planet's undying devotion.
3: Well, I'd keep that head-popping-out thing to a minimum.
5: I understand my real appearance could cause fear. I will first create goodwill in this form, and then reveal myself to your world. Back at
0: the Daily Planet, hurried reporters and office workers occupy the busy floor. Lois is in the conference room working alone at a table covered with Superman materials. A large drawing of a proposed Superman statue is propped up behind her. Lois types furiously on a computer. Perry barges in and sees all of the Superman materials spread around the conference room.
4: Lois, your work with the Superman Trust is noble and worthy. I get that. But it's a full-time job. I have a paper to run. And with Kent missing, I'm short-staffed as it is. You can't do both.
2: I haven't missed the deadline yet. I can handle it. Period.
4: What about the story about the thing that killed Superman? The Washington Post is saying that the beast that killed Superman was the occupant of the spacecraft, unearthed by LexCorp. Why don't we follow that story?
2: Because it's not true. Something else brought that creature here. Don't you think it's strange Superman died right outside Lex Corp?
0: Lois suddenly feels dizzy and steadies herself on the desk.
2: Must be my lack of sleep, but I'm fine.
4: You're running yourself into the ground, and I care about you too much to sit back and watch you do it.
0: Perry places a hand on her shoulder, showing concern.
4: Take care of yourself, Lois, for yourself, for us, and for him.
0: Perry's words hit home. Lois looks at him and nods before exiting the conference room.
4: Post-Superman Earth, tonight we take a look at our world without the Man of Steel. Our first guest is Lex Luthor, whose vision of the future includes a myriad of revolutionary LexCorp technologies. Mr. Luthor, let's be frank. Many people see your company as a mere front for a far-reaching criminal enterprise. Opponents insist it's only a matter of time before you and your Confederates try to capitalize on Superman's death. Your reaction?
5: I'm here to discuss the future a future where flawed heroes are replaced by the marvels of science and technology.
0: Lexiac then presents a round, reflective, eye-like device that Brainiac kept from Krypton.
5: This is a thermionic transfer port, a device which will allow a user to telepathically send and receive data via the insertion of a small cranial implant. Thought communication will be possible anywhere on the
4: globe very intriguing mr luther let's see what our second guest daily planet reporter lois lane has to say about it miss lane
2: i think mr luther's in need of a cranial implant my god we can't even trust him to take out the trash much less tap into our thoughts
5: this device is a gift and the vast majority of people will embrace it my advances will allow everyone to find the super being within
2: superman's strength came from his heart not from the kind of high-tech gadgets you're peddling.
5: Yes, well, the heart's not giving him much strength now, is it? The host can feel the tension rising and decides to cut the interview short.
0: Later that night in Lexiak's office, there has been major remodeling. A network of electrical conduits now crisscross the walls. Exposed cables over the ceiling. Exotic wiring snakes from the floor. Morris hurries to Lexiak's desk to relay the latest.
3: The FDA and the MAA have condemned your thought communication device and vowed to stop you from bringing it to the market. Nobody can put their trust in Lex Luthor right now.
0: Lexiak angrily reaches over the desk lamp and
5: puts the bulb in his mouth, crushes it, and sucks on the electricity. I need a new body, someone the public will trust. Find a suitable form, bring them here. This world will embrace me as they did Kal-El.
0: In the dim darkness of Superman's tomb, the interior has undergone a dramatic transformation. Mysterious Kryptonian hieroglyphs now cover the walls, etched into the solid stone. An arc of electrical light flashes through the room, the sound of a beating heart. The heavy lid of Superman's casket has been removed. He lies in the now fluid-filled interior. A complex web of tubes and piping surround his body. Flashes of electricity course through the conduit. Superman's unconscious form shudders with each burst of life-giving energy. A mysterious being approaches, ancient in age, equal measures of wrath, benevolence, compassion, and grief etched into its rocky features. As the being moves closer to the casket, the fluid begins to bubble and glow. The being then speaks to Superman. You must want to come back, Calo. The fluid continues to churn as a bright green light flashes over him. You must fight for your future and your past. The fluid inside the casket glitters and shimmers as it slowly heals Superman's wound, weaving new flesh.
7: You are the last of your race. A world resides in you. The being stands over the Man of Steel. Fight. Fight for that which gives your life meaning.
0: Superman's body slowly heals as the casket drains. His eyes blink open, unsure of where he is, his mind reeling. His hands grasp the sides of the casket and slowly pulls himself up. He climbs from his resting place. He's covered in an entirely new suit. It's capeless, darker, and altogether mysterious. Superman spots the being in the shadows. Who's there? Who are you?
6: I am Kay, that which brought you to this planet. I was in her arms. She was holding me, and everything went dark.
7: There is much for you to learn, Kal-El. Your memory now is filled with many things. Of Krypton, your home, and of Brainiac, its destroyer. He's here. Which is why we must go. Where? There are other planets, Kanel. Other yellow suns.
6: I'm not leaving Earth. Not now.
7: Your father created me to protect you, Kanel. You were safe here before, but with Brainiac's arrival that has all changed. This time? I'll be ready for him. In your present state, you would be no match. We'll see about that.
0: Superman strides to the heavy tomb door, tries to punch it open, and his fist flattens against the door. He's stunned. He's stung by the blow and by the loss of his powers. He angrily looks at Kay. What have you done?
7: I have revived you, but you have lost your powers.
0: Superman doesn't believe it. He churns and punches the door repeatedly until the pain is too much to bear. You have
7: your father's persistence
0: superman hurls himself against the doors heaves his shoulder to the heavy steel and uses every ounce of strength to muscle it open outside the tomb a young couple walks before the acres of bouquets and lay down their simple offering they bow their heads as three tricked out gang cars pull up to the tomb young thugs pile out laughing yelling and tossing around cans of spray paint the couple try to leave but the gang members harass them The doors of the tomb suddenly open and Superman emerges. He stands in the moonlight wearing his dark suit. He sees the couple being harassed. Let her go. The thugs, unafraid, circle Superman, laughing and sneering. One thug comes up behind Superman with a tire iron and slams it across his back, sending him sprawling across the cement. They surround him like a pack of dogs. Superman tries to rise but gets a boot in the stomach, another in the face. He gasps for air as the beatdown continues. Superman looks across and spies Kay watching from the shadows of the tomb. Help me! A bright flash of light shoots from the tomb entrance as the suit suddenly emits a strange glow, sending a powerful jolt into the thug's hands, forcing them to let go. In the blink of an eye, K becomes one with Superman, wrapping its robot-like sheath around him. Superman is now head-to-toe covered in Kryptonian armor. Superman stands and looks down at the suit with bewilderment as K speaks to him from within the suit.
7: I can approximate a fraction of your powers, but I do so only until you see the wisdom of leaving this
0: world. Half dozen thugs imprudently descend on him in hopes to subdue him. Superman reacts, becoming a tornado of movement, thugs being hurled through the air, sent crashing down the flower-covered steps. Superman dodges blows, knives, and kicks a gun from one thugs hand, grabs a can of spray paint from another thug, and blinds several more with blasts of paint. The last thug comes at Superman with the tire iron, which he grabs, then sends him to the ground with a crushing punch to the face. Superman then disappears into the night. A LexCorp stretch limo roars through the city, towering a big, rumbling mobile generator behind it. Inside the limo, Lexiak and Morris are in the rear
5: area. Morris drinks a martini while Lexiak stares out at the city. Your race is no different than the Kryptonians. Small-minded, irreparably flawed, and supremely ungrateful. Lexia continues to peer out the window as the limo stops at a
0: stoplight, his eyes narrow. He sees a night maintenance crew changing a series of street signs with new nameplates that read, Superman Avenue. The limo pulls through the intersection, drives by a Daily Planet delivery van bearing a noticeable advertisement for the next day's news, bearing the headline, Billions Pour into Superman Trust. Lexiak stares at the headline as the limo passes a darkened construction site. Something catches his eye as he orders the driver to stop the vehicle. The limo skids to a stop. Lexiak emerges from the vehicle and stares at the site of the future Superman memorial. He approaches and stands face-to-face with a life-size model of Superman, a mock-up for what, when finished, will be a giant bronze statue. He looks up at the sky, imagining the finished statue.
5: His eye narrows into a murderous gaze. By killing Kal-El, I've made him live forever. There's only one way to remove all remnants of his memory now. On the other side of Metropolis, a dark
0: figure is running over rooftops, leaping from building to building. It's Superman. He bounds into the air, clears the long drop over the alley, and lands on the next building as he builds momentum. While he continues leaping from building to building, he hears the voice of Kay speaking to him.
7: This was never your world, Carol.
0: Superman presses forward as he approaches a 20-foot canyon to the next rooftop. He leaps into the air, five stories off the ground, then slams into the side of the next building. He grabs hold of a rail and pulls himself up. Exhausted and bruised by the effort, Superman stands and looks out at Metropolis. A breeze blows over the rooftops as the distant sound of screams are suddenly heard. Superman sees flames and smoke rise into the night in a far off apartment fire. I have to help. How? Any way I can. Superman swings over the ledge and takes off down the fire escape. He arrives at the burning apartment building. Smoke shoots from the windows. Tenants stream down the steps. No emergency response has arrived yet as the newly suited Superman appears. He sees a young boy trapped behind a window. A fireball shoots out of the front entrance, blocking a way in. The entire building is now consumed. There is seemingly no hope for the boy. Superman rushes across the street, but Kay tries to stop him.
7: You're mortal now, Cavill.
0: I don't expect you to understand. Superman kicks open a fire hydrant, soaks himself from head to toe, then bolts up the steps, shielding his face with his hands. He leaps through the wall of flames, moving fast up a fiery stairwell. A burning beam crashes down, nearly hitting him. The hero grabs the railing to continue up, but reacts as he sears his fingers on the red-hot steel. Turn back, Cadill. But Superman can't stop, especially as he hears the cries of the young boy. Superman springs up the flaming stairs, scrambles up the top floor, and gasps for air in the smoke-filled area. He kicks down doors one by one until finally reaching the last door on the hall. He breaks down the last door and sees the young boy unconscious by the barred window. On the street below, onlookers wait in suspense when suddenly Superman appears through the heavy smoke pouring from the entrance, coughing and gasping for air as he carries the boy. He lays the boy on the ground and quickly begins mouth-to-mouth breathing. No one recognizes the Man of Steel's robot-like suit. The boy's mother breaks through the stunned crowd and drops to her knees in prayer as Superman valiantly tries to resuscitate him. He slowly stops. He pulls back, but there's no movement. The mom is gripped with fear and hopelessness until suddenly, the child coughs, moans, and then his eyes open. The boy's mother sobs for joy as she picks up her son. Meanwhile, Jimmy Olsen rides up to the scene on his scooter. He pulls off his helmet immediately and starts snapping pictures of the burning building. Jimmy spots the crowd and approaches. What's going on? Man, some guy in a robot suit just saved a kid. Robot suit? Jimmy muscles through the crowd with his camera, angling for a shot. He reaches the center of the crowd and sees the mother cradling her son, but the hero is nowhere to be seen. A confused Jimmy looks around. Where'd he go? Who was he? The mother of the boy looks up at Jimmy with tears in her eyes. An angel. Superman climbs up to a rooftop, still coughing from the smoke. He looks back at the fully engulfed building. Superman Churns looks out at the Lexcorp building as it towers over the city skyline, lit like a beacon in the night.
7: He is a destroyer of worlds,
6: cattle Not this one. I have to try and stop it. I'm the reason Brainiac's here. Just give me a chance. That's all I ask. If you
7: fail, we must go. If you have any goodbyes, make them now.
0: Back in Lois Lane's apartment... It's the middle of the night. Lois struggles to sleep. She steps out of her bed and walks through the hallway. She opens a bedroom door, looks in, and sees her niece Amy sleeping peacefully in her bed. She continues down the hall and enters the dark living room. Balcony drapes blow in the wind. Its movement reminds her of Superman's cape. She approaches the drapes and pulls them back, expecting to look into the night sky. Instead, she is face to face with a masked figure. She shrieks and tries to run, but the mysterious being grabs her by the arm and speaks. "Lois, it's me." Superman removes the faceplate covering his features. Lois freezes.
2: "It it can't be. I saw you die. It's not possible."
0: "I
6: did die, Lois, but I'm alive again. I don't know how.
2: I don't care. You're here."
0: Lois holds him tight.
2: It's like a dream.
0: Superman embraces her. He's barely able to think about anything, but he knows he must tell her the truth. There's something else,
6: Lois.
2: Nothing else matters.
6: I can't stay. Something from my past is here. It's taken over Lex Luthor. It's going to destroy this world just as it did mine. I have to try and stop it.
2: What can I do? Pray. Pray.
6: Superman holds her, perhaps for the last time. Lois, there were things I never said, never could say, until now. I wasn't running from you, Lois. I was running from myself. I was afraid. you were right. I am no different than anyone else. Lois looks up at him with an unwavering gaze. I never really felt a part of this world until I met you. No matter what happens, you'll always be in my
0: heart, Lois. Believe that. I do. I love you. His words hang in the air as he pulls her near, holding her tight. The curtains billow in the breeze around them. The following day, Superman, still wearing his K powered suit, breaks into Lex's office. The dark, ominous office is empty and quiet except for a wall of monitors, which grabs Superman's attention. Missiles from many countries are seen on the screens, Russian, Chinese, British, and French nuclear missiles. A nearby digital clock counts down from 6 hours and 33 minutes.
7: As on Krypton, Brainiac is gaining access to your world's weapons.
0: Superman approaches, looks inside a computer-like machine in the center of the room. He sees the inner workings of the half-completed machines as small automated servos move around inside, actually constructing the device. Superman stares in at the technology. It's building itself.
7: With Brainiac's guidance.
6: But he's not here.
7: Be assured, he's not far. Act swiftly, Cadell. Remove the power source and the machine will be disabled.
0: Superman sees a glowing pulsating light at the center of the machine. He carefully reaches through the electronics and cables, grasps the device's energy source, and begins to lift it out. However, the small automated servos suddenly sense his presence and streak through the wiring, clamping onto the K-suit. Superman is forced to release the power source, but struggles to break the electric clamps attached to his suit as the servos relentlessly attack. One reaches his exposed neck and shocks him with a powerful jolt of electricity Superman painfully rips the small device from his skin and crushes it on the floor he continues to rip away the powerful servos one by one Kay senses that Brainiac is coming he's coming Superman pries the last sparkling clamp from his suit and smashes it with his foot then moves toward the device there's no time We must go. I can't leave without disabling it. Superman tries to move forward, but suddenly realizes that the K-Suit is physically stopping him. What are you doing? Superman frantically tries to move forward as the K-Suit pulls him back one step at a time. He fights the power of the suit, attempting to claw his way to the deadly device, but all his efforts are useless. K-Forces him out of the building. Lexiak rushes into the office and sees the broken servos on the floor. His face contorts with anger as he realizes what this could mean. He furiously leaves the room. Lois sits in her office. She's exhausted and emotionally drained. And as usual, she's on a deadline. She's about to get back to writing when the phone rings. She answers.
2: Lois Lane? Oh, hi, Dr. Sloan. I wasn't expecting your call. I'm assuming the test results are in, and please tell me all the fatigue, the lightheadedness, and all the other symptoms are just in my head.
0: Lois listens as she is blindsided by the news of her life.
2: You mean I'm pregnant?
0: She closes her eyes, absorbing the news. She drops the phone and leans back in her chair as it hits her. One of her hands slowly moves over her stomach, embracing it through the tears. The emotional moment is abruptly broken up by the arrival of Lexiak. Lois leaps up from her seat, stunned, as Lexiak stands in the doorway, carrying a bouquet of roses. He enters the room and begins asking her a series of questions, measuring her
5: every response. Don't be afraid. I just came by to see how you were holding up. Is anything wrong?
2: If you excuse me, I, I have work to do.
5: Have you been to Superman's tomb lately? No. Had any unexpected visitors?
2: Just you, and if you don't leave, I'm calling security.
5: Lexiak lays the flowers on her
0: desk before leaving. Lois stands, rigid from the encounter. Her phone rings and answers, but all she hears is a scream. But she knows the voice. It's her niece, Amy. Amy and she knows that she's in trouble. Moments later, Lois rushes out of the Daily Planet and passes Jimmy as she starts quickly down the street. Wait a minute,
1: Lois, I got a story for you. There's a new superhero in town,
0: some guy in a robot suit. Lois keeps going as she starts across the busy street, dodging cabs and buses, rushing to get home. Jimmy runs after her, but suddenly she vanishes and realizes Lois is gone. He looks around and spies a black Lexcorp limo racing away down the street. Meanwhile, Superman, in his K-suit, walks down a decrepit pier jutting over the water. He goes to the river's edge and stands there alone. I am sorry, Karel. Superman watches as a misty fog spreads over the river. Anger burns inside him.
7: You are the last of your home planet, Krypton.
6: I
0: don't remember Krypton!
6: And my only purpose in life can't be to just keep it going. I've always been protected by my
0: powers. I didn't realize what that really meant until I lost them. Fog begins to swirl around them as Superman gazes across at the city. These people get up every day without superpowers. Firemen, policemen,
6: fathers and mothers fight and risk their lives to protect others. You told me to fight for that which gives my life meaning. What you feel for me, I feel for them. I can beat Brainiac. I can beat him because it's not just about powers. It's about something much deeper. A belief. This is my home. These are my people. I know that now.
7: Your spirit is
0: strong, Cavill. Stronger than it's ever been. A ball of pure light begins to appear before him. It gets brighter and brighter as it hovers.
7: These feelings have a connection with your physiology, Karel. You have learned your own truth. Your powers were never fully gone, my son. You had to learn to embrace them as your own.
0: My son? The bright light suddenly transforms into a holographic projection of Jor-El, his Kryptonian father. I have never been far from you, my son. Nor will I ever be. His mother, Lara, then appears in the projection.
2: Feel us in your soul, kal as we feel you in ours.
0: The projection blinks, then goes dark. Kay's light extinguishes as its suit suddenly starts to transform and comes apart. It disintegrates as Superman in his full suit is revealed. Sparkling blue suit, powerful red symbol on his chest, and a beautiful, dazzling red cape blowing in the wind. Back at LexCorp, a large crowd has gathered, demanding a permanent memorial on the site where Superman died. Jimmy Olsen comes through the crowd and approaches a policeman blocking the main entry into the building. Jimmy tries to sweet talk his way in, but the policeman won't budge, leaving Jimmy feeling useless on his hunt for Lois. The setting is surreal inside Lex's office. Lois and her niece Amy, both dressed in gowns, sit at a garish, chandeliered formal dining area set on the balcony overlooking all of Metropolis. Lines, crystal, and a hologram of a roving violin player complete the bizarre setting. Jor-El's bloody S-shield is disturbingly mounted over a fireplace behind the table. Inside his office, a tuxedoed Lexiak attends the completed computer-like device. Cables and connections run from the machine to the wall of monitors, all showing closed-circuit shots of intercontinental ballistic missiles from every nuclear power on the globe. The nearby digital clock rapidly counts down, hitting the
5: five-minute mark. Lexiak then steps out on the balcony and stops directly behind Amy. You and your aunt will accompany me to a new planet. You will be the princess of a new race. A race of my own creation.
2: Let her go. I'll do whatever you ask.
5: I envision that outcome regardless. Lexiac stares up
0: at the night as a small shape appears from behind the moon. It rapidly grows in size as it approaches Earth. The celestial object gets larger and larger until it materializes high over Lexcorp. It's Brainiac's vessel, the Skull Ship. The crowd gathered below in the plaza stare at the mysterious craft. People shriek and scream as Jimmy starts snapping pictures. Meanwhile, Superman streaks over the city, weaving between the skyscrapers. He banks toward the Lexcorp building, passing over the crowd of people below and rockets up the side of the towering structure with his fist outstretched. He crashes through the glass windows of Lex's office and lands in the center of the room. He sees the finished device and the digital clock counting down as it passes the three-minute mark. He then looks over and sees Lois and Amy through the glass doors, leading to the outdoor balcony. He also sees Lexiac, and although all anyone can see is the physical resemblance of Lex Luthor, Superman knows that underneath it all, it is really Brainiac using his body. Lexiac then approaches the Man of Steel. Glad you could join us. Have you met my new family? Abduction is the only way you could get one. Superman makes a hyper-fast move and grabs Lexiac by the throat.
5: Back off, brother.
0: Lexiac gives him an eerie smile before hurling Superman into a wall with tremendous strength. Superman quickly shakes it off.
6: You like that idea, don't you? Having a brother. We did share a common creator. Your father. The
0: difference is... He tried to destroy you. Lexiak points at the bloody S-shield on the wall. He failed! Then in a stunning display of lights and sparks, Lexiak's body then contorts as Brainiac's body manipulates its way out of Lex Luthor's body. By the end of the chilling transformation, Lex Luthor's comatose body lay on the floor while Brainiac now stands, full form, before Superman. Superman observes his large metallic green head, then his bizarre frightening, mechanical, spider-like body. After beholding his real adversary, he darts toward the device to disable it, but Brainiac shoots an electrical bolt at him, slamming him across the room. Lois and Amy look in terror, afraid to move as Superman slowly gets back to his feet. Superman circles him. Funny, you have the same expression your father did when he realized Krypton was about to be destroyed. You were there, though you certainly don't remember. You made the cutest little cry. Superman then moves in from behind with extreme speed and grabs Brainiac. A magnificent battle ensues between the two rivals. The Man of Steel sends a series of powerful punches to Brainiac's skull, throwing him off balance stabilizing himself, Brainiac attacks Superman with his spider-like legs, entangling himself around him. They roll past the device as the clock counts down to one minute.
3: one minute.
0: Brainiac hits Superman with a mighty blow, slamming him to the floor. The villain then vaults to the balcony. Superman flies after him just as Brainiac reaches Lois and puts his hideous appendage of a hand around her throat. Less than a minute left, kal which will it be, save the world or save the girl? Superman is torn. He sees the clock counting down through 45 seconds, then looks back and sees Brainiac's arm tightening around Lois's throat. Lois catches a sight of Brainiac in the mirror and sees his sick smile. An idea forms in her mind as Brainiac looks up at the skull ship above, knowing he needs to make his escape soon.
2: For all your powers, Superman, you're just a mortar like us, but Brainiac... He's a god.
0: Brainiac stares at her, swelling with pride, when suddenly Superman uses the distraction to grab the villain's arm, twist his grip free of Lois, and hurls him away. Brainiac strikes back with a powerful, life-sucking beam of force at Superman. Why conquer when you can drain? Brainiac increases the beam's power as Superman is enveloped in its all-consuming rays. His appearance starts to pale as life is slowly sucked out of him. He backs toward the balcony's edge where there is a 100-story drop to the plaza far below. Superman catches a glimpse of his father's S-shield on the wall. It gives him the inspiration he needs to fight back. He battles the increasingly powerful beam as Brainiac suddenly amps it up to full power. Lois selflessly dives in front of the beam, momentarily blocking it. She collapses from the powerful ray of energy. Superman then smashes the display housing his father's S-Shield. He grabs the curved piece of steel and hurls it across the room toward the apocalyptic device sparks and short circuits erupt as it slices through the machine stopping the countdown at 14 seconds Brainiac looks on with anger at the badly damaged device. He rises up thrashing his cruel mechanical body towards Superman He connects with his adversary and sends him sprawling onto the floor Brainiac viciously advances towards Superman until he is standing over him Seen mom and dad lately?
6: As a matter of fact I have and I've got a message from them
0: Superman leaps up, grabs his rival, and looks him square in the eye. You've been recalled. The Man of Steel starts bending and twisting the creature's metal limbs as Brainiac squeals. What happened? Dad forget to oil you? Didn't change your batteries? Refused to update your software? The sinister villain struggles to shake Superman off, fully realizing his marvelous strength. You can see the unwavering fear in his eyes. Join me! rule with me. In the name of my father and mother, I send you to hell." Superman hurls a bent and broken brainiac to the floor. His metal frame smashes into a hundred pieces. His head is separated from his body, unmoving. Lois and Amy look in with elation as Superman bows his head, acknowledging the significance of the moment. All of a sudden, Brainiac's eyes open. He delivers a perverse smile. His head rolls quickly across the floor to the damaged device and connects itself to the machine. The countdown clock suddenly resumes. There's only seconds left until the nuclear missiles will be launched all over the world. Superman quickly dives toward the machine and grabs Brainiac's head. He tries to pull it from the device as the wall of screens show dozens of missiles preparing for liftoff. The Man of Steel uses his final flare of strength and rips Brainiac's head from the machine with only two seconds left. The clock stops and the device powers down. Superman is about to punch the head into oblivion when Brainiac shoots out an intense, final burst of energy that beams directly into Superman's eyes. He stumbles back, clutching his eyes. His skin begins to ripple, his features contorting as if possessed by Brainiac. Superman fights the powerful force with all his will. Superman looks over at Lois in agony, afraid that this could be the end.
2: He can't beat you, Superman. You have too much to live for.
0: Her eyes lock with his.
2: You're going to be a father.
0: Superman gasps in unbelievable shock. He closes his eyes, focuses within, and uses every bit of strength to shoot the beam back into Brainiac's head. He nearly collapses from the effort. Brainiac's eyes blink open, staring intently at Superman. You always ruin everything. Superman picks up the head and punches it into the wall, shattering it into a thousand pieces. Brainiac is dead. Lex Luthor wakes up from his comatose state. He stands and approaches the balcony. He's completely clueless as to what has happened to him since Brainiac took over his body. Before he can speak a word, all eyes turn skyward as the skull ship starts to tilt forward, falling from the sky. Flames and smoke come out from its mouth and eye sockets as it hurtles down directly at Lexcorp. The crowd below scream in panic as they stampede in every direction. Superman rockets into the sky to meet the burning ship. He raises his arms and braces for impact. He hits the fiery skull ship and hurls it upward. He then fires a blast of heat vision at the craft until it explodes like fireworks over the city. The relieved crowd erupt in cheer as embers light up the sky. Meanwhile, Lex Luthor is being escorted through the LexCorp Plaza by doctors to a waiting ambulance. Again, he is wearing nothing but his red, white, and blue boxers. All of a sudden, Jimmy appears before him and raises his camera. Lex tries to cover himself. No pictures. Too late. Jimmy's flash captures the shot. Lex sees Morris nearby and calls to him. Morris, get that film.
3: Right away, Mr. L.
0: Lois and Superman stand alone on the roof of Lexcorp. They embrace each other as the sky starts to grow pink with the dawn of a new day. Superman looks into the eyes of the woman he loves. So, what should it be? A big wedding or a small wedding?
2: All that matters is that you're there.
0: Lois looks at him, breaks into a smile, and kisses him with undying affection. Weeks later, it's a bright day in Metropolis. A street is crowded as some cataclysmic disaster is taking place. Panic captivates the throng of people. Then several onlookers glance upward as something catches their gaze. Look! Up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! A young boy stares up at the sky with a big smile on his face. He recognizes the heroic spectacle. He knows who it is. He proudly raises one hand and points to the sky as he boldly shouts, It's
4: Superman!